This morning we'll be reading the second psalm in its completeness. Beginning at verse 1, we read, Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder, and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath saith unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Amen. Will you turn in your Bibles to the seventh chapter of Luke? We've come once again to a place in God's Word where we are taught of two types of men. Why is that so important? Why is it so important that we learn about the other side the two types of men why, why do we have to learn about those over there and these over here because God's word teaches it how are you going to know the grace of God how are you going to know the depth of God's grace in your heart if you don't know what you once were. You say, well now, what do you mean, John? You're not what you once were in the flesh anymore? I'm not saying that one bit. I want to stop there for just a moment because that's where people stop and say, listen to him. He's holier than thou. He's not a sinner anymore. Oh, yes, I am. And if you're a child of God, you know you are too. But to know His grace is to know that deep, ugly, stinking pit that He drew us out of. To know His grace and working in your heart is to know what He is, what it was that He pulled us out of. Am I better than the other side, the other type of people there is? No. But I am blessed. And because I'm blessed, I praise my Lord. 
Because we are blessed, we sing praises to Him for His blessings to us. Not just the blessings like I made, like I mentioned in my prayer, not just the blessings of this world, but the true blessing behind everything there is, and that's the blessing of knowing who God is. Crown Him with many crowns. Oh. He's already got all the crowns. My heart didn't know it though. Not until He moves in the heart of His people can we truly crown Him in our hearts for who He is. Up until the point where He doesn't work in that new heart after cutting out the old one that shook our fist at Him, after He's done that work, we come and we, we praise Him for everything, including our troubles. That's a strange bunch of people. Two types of men. The ungodly and the godly. That's Scripture. The Lord talks about it throughout the Psalms. We just read about those, the kings and the princes that raise themselves. They derise against God. They, 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 they scheme. And, and this was us. This was us. I, I'm not going to go to that church. I don't need to go to church. I've got a God in my own little imagination that I deal with. That's what I told my mom. That's what I felt in my own heart. No, it wasn't until the Lord did a work in this heart that this heart came to know who the true God is. Ungodly and godly men. Two types. Unrighteous and righteous as the Scriptures declares it. This generation and a chosen generation. The gospel of God's free and sovereign grace divides. Period. I'm at odds with my religious brothers and sisters in my family. I'm at odds with my unreligious children in my family. I have certain Guidelines that I walk now because God has done a work in my heart, just as you do, the same thing. That my ungodly friends and my ungodly family don't understand at all. I didn't understand it before the Lord did a work in my heart. Did you? No, you didn't. Absolutely. None of us did. We can't. It's enmity to our hearts that we're born with. So the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace divides. Here's what we read, here's what we read in Matthew 25, 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. That's God's word. That's division. Listen to what he says over in Psalms 29.7. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. In Luke chapter 12, you don't need to turn that, I'll read it for you. Verse 51 through 53. Suppose ye that I am come to give you peace on earth. 
I tell you nay, but rather division. That's not the that's not the Jesus you hear from in the world, is it? No. We, how how many of us have heard about this Jesus? Jesus just loves you, and he wants you to. He just wants you to. He wants you so badly. If you would just give in to him. Jesus loves all the world, everything. It's His creation. He loves everything. That's not what we just read. What did we read there again? Let me read that again. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth? I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Our Lord says, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. That's the grace of God in our hearts, isn't it? <laughs> That's where we see God's grace the most, that He has had mercy on this one that doesn't deserve it. Nothing of God's Word divides men more than election. Choosing between two. This generation and the chosen generation. The world focuses on the whom in that scripture I read. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. God's people focus on this mercy. Oh, Lord, you can have mercy on whomever you want as long as you're having mercy on somebody. Maybe he'll have mercy on me. Maybe he'll have mercy on you. Isn't that wonderful? Our Lord is merciful. In our text in Luke, there will be those who are fixed on the whom and those that are fixed on the mercy. Look with me, if you would, chapter 7 of Luke. Verse 31. And the Lord said, Whereunto then I shall liken the men of this generation. And to what are they like? This generation. Our Lord speaks here of those who have no desire of His mercy. They are contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. At first glance, when we first read what we just read there, it looks as though He's using the word generation the way we commonly use it, doesn't it? looks like He's maybe talking about those of that generation, those of that time. That's not the way our Lord is using that word and that phrase. As we look through scriptures, every time the word this generation is used together, those two words together, 
They are used to describe self-righteous religionists. They always refer to the lost religious people. Like the Pharisees, the gener this generation of the Pharisees, this generation. The Sadducees, the Herodians, those of the Lord's day in that day, that generation, this generation, and those people called this generation are always hostile. They're always hostile to the Lord. They're like those ones that we just read in the script in the in the in the Psalms. Those who raise up, the kings who raise themselves up to strive against God. They're hostile and they're persecuting those who are of this generation, or of, of, of the chosen generation. These are the people of whom our Lord spoke specifically of when he said, In the world you shall have tribulation. The words this generation speak of the enemies of our God and of our souls in every age. And I want to look at some scripture with that. So mark your place here in Luke and turn to Psalms, if you would. I want to turn over to the 12th Psalm. I want to show you where the Lord uses this generation in a, in a way describing those. Us. From where we came. Psalms 12. Turn over to the 12th Psalm. Psalms number 12, beginning at verse 1, we read, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Now, speaking of those others, this generation, they speak vanity every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips and with double with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said with our tongue, Will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is the Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now will I arise, saith the Lord, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of the earth, purified even in times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from what? This generation. So we see the Lord using it. This generation. He will preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Let's look at another in the Psalms. Turn over to Psalm 71. In Psalm 71, we begin at verse 12. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them, let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. For I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. 
Now also when I am old and gray-haired, O God, forsake me not until I show thy strength unto this generation who kept us through all the trials who kept us I know who kept you Roger when you went through the trial I know who kept you You I can see it all over you God working in you who kept you Donna as you went through that trial I can see it all over you not once did you lose who your faith was in. Who kept you, Mike, as you went through that trial? I could see it. Not once did you ever speak out against God. Who keeps us? We know. We show this generation who it is that keeps us. It's not in me that you see any strength. It's not in Mike that I saw any strength. It's not in Donna. It's not in Roger. It's in our Lord. That was their strength. I pray that whatever trials my God brings, you will see Him and His strength, not me. And as a child of God, I know you pray the same for Now also when I am old and gray-haired, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Why did the Lord raise up Pharaoh to show his power unto the world? Let's look at two more if you would. Turn over to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Two different types of generation. This generation and God's chosen generation. Verse 41 of Matthew 12, we read these words. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of of Jonah. And behold, the greater than Jonah is here. One more. Matthew 23. A couple of pages to the right. Matthew 23. Beginning at verse 29. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall be ye scourged in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of the righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Bacharias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar." 
Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. All of those things that they did to the prophets of old shall come upon whom? This generation. The very generation that you and I were a part of from the day we were born from our mother's womb. The very day that we walked on this earth, part of that generation, till the Lord called us and brought us into the chosen generation. Go back to your text if you would. Here in verses 31 through 34, the Lord Jesus shows us that unbelieving religionists are always opposed to, find default with, and are quick to slander God's servants and His people. Remember we talked about slander last week. Those who were slandering John the Baptist and our Lord sticking up for John the Baptist. No, you went out into the wilderness. What did you go out there to see? Some reed that's going to be bent in the wind? That's not what you saw. What you saw was my prophet he stood up for. That was the man, one of the greatest prophets that ever walked this earth, is what our Lord said. This generation is quick to slander God's servants. They're quick because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Look here at verse 31 through 34. And where and the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation, and to what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, We have piped unto you and you have not danced. We've sang our music to you and you haven't danced. And you have not danced. You have, we have mourned to you and you have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he hath a devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. We have also here a lesson to be learned by our Lord's comparison describing this generation as, this generation as children. If we should be saved, we must become as little children. Isn't that what Scripture tells us? Meek. Humble. proper child will sit in quiet, talk properly, will sit in quiet, meek, listening to the adults, listening to the wives, humble, knowing that we have nothing in our experience to add to the conversation of the adults, of the wives. To be saved, we must become as children and listen to the, wise, the wisdom of our Savior. Humble ourselves in meekness, inoffensive and trusting, trusting what we hear. <laughs> I just happened to look over and see these two beautiful little girls being held. Look at how she trusts you. Look how she is comforted, wrapped in your arms. Knowing that she's protected. That's the way it is with us and Christ. 
as the sovereign of everything there is, we know that He's got it all. All the waves that are bounced, that are just covering our boat. Yet like this little girl, we sit in the arms of our Savior. Taking care of knowing that because we belong to Him, He'll never let us go. No matter how deep the water gets, no matter how riled it up gets up against us, He's the one who controls the storm and works it all out for our good. Oh, how I hope and pray that you can understand. That's what it's like to be in the hands of Christ. You don't have to worry about the things of school. Whatever those folks say, it don't matter. My Lord controls what all those people are doing. You don't have to worry about the, the government that's running amok that we live under because our Lord controls it all. If I could just get that through my head when I'm playing golf. We have a lesson, lesson to be learned here in this. If we should be saved, we must become as little children. But get a load of this. Lost religionists are also like children. Not adorable ones. <laughs> like these young ones here. No. They're the ones who kick and scream. All the way up till the age of teenager. I don't want to go to church. I know Dad's mom want me to go, but no, I'm not going to go. I'm going to make a scene. They're not adorable at all. They're not sweet. Our master compares this generation that he's talking about to perverse, rebellious children who can never be pleased by anything. We pipe unto you and you, you don't pay any attention to us at all. We, we, we sing, we, we play music to you and you don't sing with us at all. Nothing satisfies them. Nothing contents them. They find some fault with everything and everyone but themselves. That's big words right there. Find fault with everyone else but me. John the Baptist came living a strict and separate life out in the wilderness. People came out to see him. He didn't go into the town and gather people around. He didn't hang around with just anybody who came. They had to come out to him. He lived a very strict life. And yet those folks said he had a devil in him. After him, the Lord Jesus came with a little bit different habits. He was more of a social guy. He went around town hanging out with people. I'll go and eat with the religionist people at their home. And never will. Well, we're gonna, we read it last week, but we, we'll see it again next week in uh, verses 36 all the way down through 39 where they, he went to a Pharisee's house to eat. Yet the same men of this generation said of him, he's a glutton and a wine-bibber. Their hatred was not really against either John or the Lord, you know. They were okay guys. That wasn't what, the, that wasn't what bothered them. What bothered 
What bothers people about the Lord Jesus Christ? It's the message. It cuts two directions. It divides. It divides the sheep from the goats. The sheep on the right, the goats on the left. It divides this generation, the one that you and I walk with, to the called out, the chosen of God from before the world was. Chosen to be redeemed by the blood of His Son. Chosen to be saved to the uttermost by the perfect righteous blood of Christ to spend an eternity with Him, praising Him for saving us from this generation that we once walked in. Our Lord and John the Baptist preached the same message. It was the message that bothered them. They didn't like the message. The message is this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest man should boast. The doctrine, the teaching of the gospel is this, God became a man. And that man who is 100% God and 100% man shed his blood for a people, not for the world. John chapter 17, verse 9, I believe it is, I pray not for the world, but for them that thou hast given me. The gospel is righteousness by the obedience of Christ. Did you know that Christ had to learn obedience? What? He had to learn obedience. Look it up. And he was obedient even to the death of the cross. The teaching of the gospel is the redemption by His effectual blood, by the atonement, the limited atonement. It was for His people and His people alone. In John chapter 10, He told some unbelieving Jews, you don't believe because you are not of My sheep. He didn't say you're not My sheep because you don't believe. He says you don't believe because you're not My sheep. He says My sheep believe. They hear my voice. The teaching of the gospel is salvation by the irresistible gift and the operation of grace. It is not your will. It is not of the will of him that runneth, nor of him that, or him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Of God that giveth grace. Let us learn as little children to be silent about those things of which the Bible is silent on. This generation is a wicked, perverse generation, but our, our Lord also speaks of something else here. There's another generation. It's called His generation. It's called the generation of thy children, the generation of the upright, a chosen generation. Look at verse 35 of our text. But wisdom is justified of all her children. 
Now here our master draws a direct and a distinct contrast between those of this generation and his own elect. But wisdom is justified of all her children. Now certainly, there's at least a reference here to the Lord Jesus Christ himself who is our wisdom as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. God has made him our wisdom. So certainly this is talking wisdom. Jesus Christ is justified of all her children. Christ is the wisdom of God. He is the word of God. The one for whom by and whom, whom we know of God. He lived in wisdom. And he here shows us the way of wisdom. Our Lord Jesus stands for us as our wisdom in the council chambers of the Almighty in eternity. He fulfilled the wisdom of the covenant. He makes believing sinners wise unto salvation. And he gives us wisdom as we need it in the face of our numerous subtle foes. All of God's elect justify him in all of his persons and work. Wisdom is justified of all her children. All who are born of God, born of wisdom, repent before him and therefore justify him. That's what that's talking about. All of those who are born of God, we repent before him and therefore we justify God. Listen to the verses of listen to this verse in Psalms 51 verse 4. Against thee and thee alone. Now, this is what we're talking about. We have confessed our sins. All of those who are born of God, born of wisdom, repent. Against thee and thee alone and thee only have I sinned and done this evil, is what David says. Isn't that what you and I do? Do we not confess to our Lord in the privacy of our closets or wherever we are in privacy? Lord, I'm just a sinner. Everything I do, even the goodness of giving food to that beggar outside of McDonald's, even the the goodness of helping a family, going over and helping them with, with the work that they need done around their home, even the goodness of plowing that field, Lord, I know, is filled with sin if it's not for your glory. Do we not confess our sins? That's what David's doing here. Lord, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Repentance is taking the sides with God against ourselves. Our Lord says, our tongues are like vipers. I agree, Lord. Although the flesh wants to say, wait a minute, I haven't said something bad in the last five minutes. God's right. About it all. That's repentance, is turning to his side and saying, he's right. Despite what I feel within me, despite what I think in my mind. I have confidence in what he says, not in me. It's taking sides with God against ourselves. It's coming into agreement with God and justifying God in the way that he saves sinners. Yes, that's just. 
That's just that God saves sinners through the salvation of His Son, through the blood of His Son. Are you washed in the blood? Yet there's more here, isn't there? And we'll be quick. Believers justify God's wisdom in all things. Thereby we prove ourselves wise indeed, giving God glory for everything. The Scriptures make us wise unto salvation through faith in Christ. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy, and from that, and that from a child, he says to Timothy, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. God the Holy Spirit is in his people teaching us the spirit of wisdom through the revelation of grace. Thus we are taught and enabled to see the justice and the equality of our God in all his works and in all his ways. Psalms 36, 6, we read these, The judgments, thy judgments, are great, deep. Psalms 48, 11, Let Mount Zion rejoice, let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Psalms 119.75 I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. Even when our Lord Jesus is spoken of in derision, he proves himself to be a great Savior. His enemies constantly derided him, calling him a friend of publicans and sinners. You and I once rallied against him as well. The thief on the cross both of them railed against our Lord before the Lord saved one. How I rejoice to declare that is exactly who and what the Lord Jesus Christ is. In fact, in truth, He's our only friend. He's the only true friend of publicans and sinners. The only true friend that we have and he is the friend only to folks just like you and I. Called by his grace. Matthew 9, verse 12 and 13. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician. I wasn't whole. I bet as a child of God, you know you weren't whole either. Oh, how willing God is to be gracious. I'll make this last point. Have you ever noticed how often our Lord refers to our sins as a sickness? Think about that for a moment. Leprosy is a sickness. It's a picture of what we are, God's people, in sin. We're covered from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet in sin. That's a sickness. He refers to our sins as a disease, an infirmity. One of the reasons for this is this. Our Heavenly Father views our sins. He views our sins as a sickness calling for pity. Sickness you can't help. Sickness is not a crime for punishment. 
It's only a sickness to his people. To everything else. To this generation of vipers. The very generation that you and I once walked in. It's a crime. But to you and I, who have been saved by his grace, it's a sickness to be pitied. To be merciful to. You ever notice that? Two generations. Those for whom judgment is due and those who have been judged in their substitute, Jesus Christ the Lord. What a blessing of grace. What blessings of grace are showered upon His chosen generation.